0: Welcome to the Weekly Juice Podcast, where we discuss all things real estate, personal finance, investing, entrepreneurship, and the many ways to achieve financial independence. We interview accomplished investors and entrepreneurs with the goal that their stories inspire you to take control of your financial future. Here to get your creative juices flowing, while also documenting their own personal investing journeys, are your hosts, Corey Jacobson and Ryan Bevilacqua.
1: Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. You're hearing a little bit of a different voice here. Corey's doing the intro, and that's because I'm solo tonight. So it's pretty sad, I know. Uh, Ryan had something to come up, so you got me. But not only do you have me, we have our guest, George Waters. And let me tell you, people, we have not had somebody come on and talk about business credit, the car rental business, and then obviously real estate. We get into real estate because we always talk about it. But George is absolutely crushing it. Left his corporate America job at 28 years old, actually a few months ago, because he's making thousands of dollars a month. Uh, Some of it's through uh, the car rental business, some of it's through real estate, and also through his content creation. But we talk about his house hacking strategy and how he saved thirteen hundred and fifty dollars a month when he was twenty six years old, which allowed him to go invest in more real estate, do a couple burrs, do a couple flips. But this episode talks a lot about Turo and the car rental business. And when I tell you, we we've had episodes about the RV business, RV rentals, which is a little bit of a higher undertaking. But George puts like one to two thousand dollars into four to five cars, and each car can net him like seven hundred dollars a month. And he does it all with all of these systems. He says he works about four hours a week on this rental business and he's bringing five to $6,000 a month just right now. Cause he's about to go get some more cars. I couldn't believe it because I've heard people talk about it, but to hear the way that he does it and it was able to give him the freedom to spend more time with his kids, he's got young kids and to just give him the time. It was, it was amazing. I, I was, I was really impressed with George. He's a local guy. He's in the Philadelphia area, just like Ryan and I. So, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but you just got me tonight. No Rye, but you do have George. Let's bring him in.
2: For real estate investors, going mobile is the next big thing for managing our properties. We like to have the power and resources in the palm of our hand. When we're hunting for deals, we're consistently go, go, go. Having Rent Ready's property management app is great for checking in on all our properties, especially when it's time to collect rent. With Rent Ready, we get the benefit of both mobile and web apps that allow us to collect rent from anywhere. We not only get instant notifications when rent is paid, but we also have the ability to send automatic reminders to tenants when rent is due or late. From finding the perfect tenant to collecting rent, everything an investor needs to build wealth and manage their investing portfolio can now be found under one roof with RentReady. The most exciting news is that rent Ready gave us an exclusive 50% off promo code that can now be used by all of our weekly juice listeners. You just need to visit rentready.com and enter the code JUICEBOT to get 50% off any Rent Ready plan. That is R-E-N-T. R-E-D-I.com and under the code JUICEPOD, J-U-I-C-E-P-O-D, to receive 50% off any rent-ready plan. As you know, we talk a lot about financial independence, building revenue streams, and buying yourself more income. Wanted to give our listeners a special opportunity to potentially add a different revenue stream for themselves and into their portfolio. Tune into episode 110 to hear Corey and I peel back a couple layers on something that we're investing in currently at the moment. Just gives you a snapshot of where we are in our journey and gives you the opportunity to invest as well. This specific opportunity is to invest in a YouTube content monetization channel. And we go through every single step of the way, how we got involved, and all the ins and outs of it. If you're interested, after listening to the episode, feel free to drop us a DM. We're happy to answer any questions that you have, and we'll point you in the right direction.
1: Well, George, thank you so much for taking the time coming on our show today. We really appreciate it. and uh, We're really excited to dive into your story here.
3: Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Cool, cool. Uh,
1: so give us a little background on yourself, kind of who you are, where you're from. And I know you're a uh, uh, South Jersey, Philly guy, and we're in the same area too. So that's exciting. But just like, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself here.
3: Yeah, for sure. So born and raised uh, in a small town called Siglerville, New Jersey, about 20 minutes or so from uh, from, from Philly. Um, so my background, and we'll jump into this later, but my parents are landlords. My my uh, my dad's uh, blue collar. He owns a blue collar business, government contractor. Uh, then he stumbled into real estate. Him and my and my mom. So they've been building a real estate portfolio during my childhood. So I was one of those kids that was raised by a mom and pop landlord. So I'm always in rental properties, fixing, fixing, selling fans, you know, putting new outlets in and stuff like that. That was kind of my, uh, my, my upbringing. Um, then I went to school. I studied uh, finance over at Rutgers. Um, then I went the corporate route, right? I got a great nine to five uh, as a financial advisor over at Vanguard. Um, I did that for uh, about five and a half years, man. And during that time, started investing in real estate myself. I started just getting a lot of knowledge on business, different business ventures. Um, And eventually, actually, as of a couple months ago, um, I was able to actually retire from my nine to five altogether. Um, So now I'm full time into entrepreneurship, into uh, my real estate business and getting into some, some new exciting ventures as well.
1: Love that man so it's funny Sicklerville we have some rental properties in Sicklerville so it's funny that you say that uh, and, wild. <laughs> and they're, they're, yeah they're great properties for us um, so yeah you're about 45 minutes from us but uh, or where you grew up at least but um, so I guess let's talk about the inception of like wealth building in general It sounds like it, it kind of ran in the family a little bit like obviously if your parents are landlords but we, you know what about real estate and wealth building like really excited you for you know for you to want to make this part of your own journey?
3: Yeah, man. So I saw from a very early age um, that real estate can provide freedom, right? And one of the things about me growing up as as a kid, there wasn't necessarily like a topic in school that I was like super passionate about. Like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So me, I'm always like, hey, I want to be free. I want to be able to do what I want when I want to be able to not have anyone tell me what it is and to really be able to live my life on my terms. You know, some people have careers that they want to go into. I'm like, look, man, I want to be free. That's always been my goal, right? So real estate, seeing, you know, what the power of um, real estate can do at a young age for me, it was kind of like always my go-to. It was already in my family. So I, I always knew that I was going to be going into that venture uh, in some way, shape or form. I think another thing was for me growing up, uh, my parents always ran their own business. So I've never seen either of my parents actually work a job in my entire life. So it's kind of weird that I went the corporate route and got a job in the first place uh, because that's not what my parents did at all. So real estate and and entrepreneurship to me, I always saw that as a pathway um, to ultimate financial freedom. I just threw a nine to five in there to kind of throw some gas on my fire and be able to accomplish it a lot quicker.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the, the nine to five is great because it can help you get loans. I still have my nine to five. So does Ryan. So um, it's it's not necessarily needed. And we'll talk about the jump from the nine to five to the entrepreneurship or entrepreneur life, which I think is amazing. You have kind of a three-headed beast or multiple streams of income here with the car rental business, with your real estate, and then using business credit to help fund your real estate. So we'll get into that. But talk about your portfolio now, kind of what what it looks like, and then maybe a timeline of how you got into it cuz i know house hacking is a big part of your of your venture.
3: Yep, for sure. So, um let's see. My first property, i bought that back in uh, want to say it was 2018. It was in 2018, i had no cash, man. So this first property that i bought, it was a bird deal. Um, you know, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. I didn't have any cash to do it, but I had a bunch of personal credit cards. So I did just about everything wrong on this first deal that I could possibly do. First and foremost, I maxed out all of my personal credit cards in the first two months of the rehab, and my credit score plummeted. I completely forgot about that you know. second to last R when it comes to refinancing. right? My, right. <laughs> my credit score plummeted, but essentially that deal... I bought it $35,000, put about $25,000 into it to get it rental ready. That's over in in Jersey. Um, So that's one of the properties that I currently have. That one's still cash flowing to this day. That bird went, you know, everything went wrong because I did the financing completely wrong. But that's what I love about real estate is I did everything wrong in that deal, right? I financed it. I financed it the wrong way. I ended up getting the wrong kind of loan. So after I fixed it up and I had a tenant placed in it, I bought this uh, property in my business name, right? So I had to get a commercial uh commercial mortgage on the back end to do the refinance. Mind you, I never had any mortgage, and my first one was a commercial mortgage, right? It's a little bit, a little bit different than a, uh, yeah. a a regular mortgage. So the type of loan that I got ended up being like um amortized over 20 years. So I didn't even get 30 years. So the amortization was lower, which made my payment higher. So I yep. when I ran my numbers. Like the room that was in there, I had it amortized at twenty years, and I could have done thirty. So I did that wrong, right? I did that wrong, and it still ended up working. After all of that, it still ended up working. Still ended up cash flowing for me, right? So uh, I got I got that property under my belt, got it stabilized. Then I went on, um, and I figured I had to get out of my apartment. I was paying fifteen fifty in my apartment. They were going up a hundred dollars on the rent that year. I'm like this is it. We got to go the other route. And of course I had house hacking already in my mind at this time. So then I started looking for multifamily property. So um, in 2019, I bought a uh, duplex, a two unit property. I got that for about $180,000. Um, and it was actually fully occupied. I bought it fully occupied. Um, we had to uh, you know, send one of the tenants, give them notice that we were moving in and we kept one of the tenants. The uh, tenant that we kept was paying $1,200 a month for the duplex, right? The mortgage on the duplex when we bought it was 1400. So for us, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, win from, from day one. A lot of people, when they think of house hacking, they always say, Oh, you live completely free. But I always say, Hey, look, if you can lower your living expenses significantly in that, in that play, it's still a win, right? For me, I went from paying 1550 every single month to now my, my living expense was $200, right? So i lived in that duplex for about two years um and that 1550 so i was saving about 1350 right now i went from paying 1550 to 200 i was saving 1350 i didn't increase anything about my lifestyle during this time what i did is that 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 difference in money i started putting it away i started putting it away i started stacking that up because i knew ultimately um, I had a growing family. So I knew ultimately we wanted to be into that single family. But what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to be house poor, right? I didn't want to be that guy that gets the American dream, gets the white picket fence, but he's paying, you know, 60% of his income coming in every month towards that living expense. That's not mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. So I used the money that I saved from not paying rent for two years, right? I used that as a down payment on a single family house. Uh, we bought the single family. This is now 2021. Then we we bought the single family property and we put somebody in the unit that we were living in. Now, look, between 2019 and 2021, some crazy stuff happened, right? So- Yes, I remember. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> so the, the market for the, uh, for the unit, we actually ended up getting $1,400 for this other unit that we were in now, right? So 200 more. So now that unit to this day, cash flows us, you know, $1,200 per month. Um, so I have that first house, I have the duplex, I have my primary residence. And then in 20, uh, in 2021 as well, my business, uh, we actually purchased a property, uh, to flip, which we're actually just wrapping, wrapping up, uh, wrapping up closing and everything on that now. So we, we bought that property, flipped that house once that one's completely done out we'll be uh we'll be back in the market and ready to grab some more deals up
1: love it man so it's so it's amazing how forgiving real estate is too and the the key with it is it's just if you hold on long enough and long enough could be three years long enough could be seven years long enough could be 12 years but if you hold on long enough it's really hard to make mistakes and the key is for you is that you dove in willing to make the mistakes because it's so much better to go in and fail and lose some money tens of thousands even than to not make the mistakes at all because you never know what to do next so I, i it's funny you have a very similar scenario to me where my first property. I I actually still live in it, but I'm not house hacking anymore. I was house hacking. My mortgage was $1,500 and I had two roommates and they're paying, I think, you know, 700 and 600. So it was, it was $1,300. So I was able to to live for $200 plus the split of utilities. And mm-hmm. it just springboarded my journey into the next phase. So you able to do that has allowed you to not only buy more properties, but it's allowed, it's given you a freedom and, and a headspace to say, okay, now I can go make more money. And you're not worried so much about putting food on the table. Cause $1,300 a month savings is like, they're talking over $15,000 a year. Or exactly. Actually, you're talking... Close to eighteen thousand dollars a year. So that type of money in your pocket, it just gives you less desperation, more more freedom. Even though you're not at like ultimate financial freedom at that point, it still gives you more freedom to uh, to like make clear decisions and know what you want to do next.
3: It gives you options, right? Like I I I put it like this: when it comes to to house hacking, that should be everybody's first move when it comes to going out and purchasing a property to live in, right? Because it's such a, such a difference, right? You can either go into getting your own mortgage, paying $1,500 a month, or you can take one to two year diversion, get a multifamily house, live in it for at least a year, right? That's what the loans want us to do at least a year in there. And when you do that, you can then go into um, a nicer house, your, your dream house even, but that other, that other property that you have is going to be paying a significant portion of that living expense, right? Like my journey, my, three-year journey on this house hacking, that that first property, that duplex, that now pays more than half of the mortgage on my four-bedroom, three-bath, um, three-bath, single-family house. So I'm still, you know, I'm still paying under $1,000 to live in a single-family house. It's a complete, complete game-changing thing that just about anybody can do.
1: I, I I think it's the concept of, of the delayed gratification aspect that people kind of forget. And a lot of people think, well, I have a family, like I can't do this. It's, and I think it really comes down to can't versus won't. And that's part of the thing. It's like if you if you live kind of the way that you don't want to right now, it's amazing the way that your future can be set up. And it is, I, I really do believe in the sacrifices up front. You don't have to sacrifice everything. But the fact that you are willing to live in a property and share a wall with somebody, which to me is not that big of a deal but I know people that share not just bedrooms but like share a bedroom with somebody right to be able to to have to live for free or make money while they're living there it's not going to be forever it's a temporary thing but to, to completely wipe out house hacking because you want to be ultra comfortable, like, especially in your twenties, George, like that is for me, it's not a time to be super comfortable. It's time to enjoy life, experience things, but also like set up my thirties. Right. And that, and that I think is forgotten about because it's easy to, to think not that you're entitled, but that you're worth Uh, or deserve to have everything, you know, just because you're coming out of school and you got a good job. And I think that people that see it differently, it's really like your 30s are going to be incredible because of what you've done in your 20s.
3: Exactly, exactly. I I cannot tell you how many people, right, like I said, right out of school, I went, I got my nice, cushy corporate job. I can't tell you how many people in my, uh, in my hiring class went out after we got a first first couple of checks went out, got that nice single family house. Now they're locked into that job for the next 20 to 30, 30 years, just because they have a huge housing expense versus me, they're like, dude, what are you doing? You're buying this little this little duplex. I'm like, just just wait and see. Understand that I'm delaying a process, but after these one, two, three years, I'm gonna be in a much better financial position. And again, this is a marathon, dude. Like, life is a marathon, it's not about getting getting what I need right now. It's about me strategically building the life that I want to live. So I take that into really all perspectives of everything that I'm doing.
1: Yeah, George. And I also think that your perspective, correct me if I'm wrong, but it probably has changed on what you really want after you've gone through this kind of little journey of buying a property here, buying a property there, flipping it. For me, as I was doing that, it changed my thought of like, the things that I thought I wanted or needed. And and I, it wasn't the cool car and it wasn't the the fancy house and it wasn't, you know, the clothing that I thought make me like, I have fashion. I, I, I respect that. I, I buy things that I want, but I also am like all these things, material things didn't, they ended up not making me happy. And I think that, did you see any similarities in like a lot of people that were going to, to, you know, they're making their money and the instantly buying something. Did you feel a drop off of that and kind of the wants and needs, or maybe not? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you still want all those things.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's 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 funny, right? Um Exactly, exactly like you said. Like when I first got when I first got my job, don't get me wrong, I definitely suffered from a little bit of that income creep, right? Where hey, I'm making all this money, all my sure. expenses are low, I'm going to spend a little bit, so I'm buying, you know. Fancy, fancy shoes. This is when Yeezys were going for like yeah, so much yeah. over retail and everything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm buying those things. And then guess what? A couple weeks happens, the sneakers get dirty. I'm like, okay, cool, great, that's done. You know, the 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 the, the Gucci shirt. I I washed it a, a couple times. Even if I took it to the dry cleaners, it still gets worn out. And it's just a Gucci shirt. At the end of the day, I realize that I'm still going to work. Every single day. Yeah, I have this cool, this cool clothes in my closet, but I still have to go to work every day. And it made me realize like, okay, you got the fancy stuff, the, the shiny stuff, that's all fine and well. But now what? Right. Now yep. what do you actually want out of your life? Me, I have a growing family. I'm like, look, I want to be able to wake up and if my daughter, you know, wants to wait a couple minutes or take a little bit longer with her breakfast, I don't want to rush her out of the house because I have to go and have to be at my job at 8:30. Right. Like I want those type of things. That's more important to me than having the latest shoes on my on my feet or having the latest clothes on my back. But like you said, the perspective changed over time.
1: Yeah. And I think people maybe lose sight of some of that stuff and how that could, I don't have any, I don't have kids, but I I imagine that you want to make the best relationship out of what you have with your family. And I think you might, people might overlook the fact that like, if you're rushing out of the house and you're not spending time with your child, like they're that consistency could, they could grow up and not have the relationship that you know, that you would want them to have with you, right? All by decisions that like you have to continue to go to work and you don't have the freedom. So making those decisions for you, I already know they're gonna pay off. So it, it's awesome to hear. And to go into the next like topic here, because you're able to house act, because you're able to buy real estate, you have more income coming in, you you started like a car rental business. And I wanna dive into this you know, maybe I don't think we've had anybody on the show that's actually talked about this. I I know what Turo is. I've heard of it. I know some people like, for example, Ryan Pineda that I follow that like is super heavily into it, but like explain what you do with your car rental business. Because from what I'm seeing on Instagram, it's bringing in a sizable chunk of change and it's a really legitimate business that anyone can get involved in.
3: Absolutely. So it's funny because when I first started out in my journey, it was strictly real estate. And then I kind of stumbled upon Toro in this business model. And it just made so much sense to me. I told you how I did the first house. I didn't have any money. I, I used credit, things like that. After I bought my first property and I went to go buy more real estate, I realized I'm like, wait, I need to like wait like a year to like get save my money back up and you know to go dive in and do this again because I don't want to kill my my credit this time right? So that was when I stumbled upon the car rental industry. I love the car rental industry because it is an industry that has very low um, you know, barrier to entry. You can get started in this business for less than a thousand dollars, right? But it's also very high revenue very quickly. So essentially what I do, what I do now and what I teach people to do is literally I will start a, uh, an entity strictly for car rentals. I'll start in an LLC and I'll be able to go to whether it be to, to dealerships, to auctions, to other private, private sellers, and I'll acquire these vehicles, right? Me personally, I acquire economy vehicles. I have Nissan Versas, Ford Fiestas, uh, Chevy Cruises, Chevy Malibus. I have these type of economy every single day vehicles in my fleet, right? So what I'll do is I'll get them, I'll, I'll get them set up and I'll acquire them using commercial financing. That is very key for adding this onto your, uh, onto your income streams as a real estate investor specifically, right? Because when I buy them in my business name, what happens is if I go to the dealership and I get a $12,000 loan for this, you know, uh, Nissan Versa, let's say, right? That loan is not going to show on my personal credit report. That's how I'm able to build a sizable fleet quickly without going into like a bunch of debt doing it. So I have, I have this play right at, at, uh, at Bank of America, they will literally give my LLC four commercial auto loans. They'll give my LLC four commercial auto loans. Every LLC, they will give it four auto loans to be able to go out there and buy four cars for that entity, right? If you apply for them all in the same day, you can get them with one inquiry. So now you're getting four cars, one inquiry, just like that, right? Now, these cars, I'm able to put them on platforms like Toro, like hire car, like get around, like fetch truck. There's so many different peer-to-peer uh, applications that are popping up. Right, it's very similar to what happened with uh, with Airbnb, with Uber. It's an industry disruptor. It's an industry disruptor. So these applications are there for people like myself who can acquire these cars and then we flip them and we rent them out, similar to how we rent out a property. Right. Let me give you some numbers. I yeah. can take I can take a Nissan Versa. Say that Nissan Versa. Let's say one of my payments is about one ninety seven. I think on that, right? That same vehicle, I can turn around and I can make thousand dollars a month off of it. Right? I can make thousand dollars of revenue. So then we wow. take away. Then we take away. You know the the one ninety seven payment. Uh, I use commercial car sharing insurance, so it's a special insurance strictly for my business of car sharing. And guess what? It's $62 a month, right? So so that overhead is extremely low. And then other than that, I'm saving same way for for my rental properties. I'm saving for repairs, uh, oil changes, things like that that'll happen. I'm putting away a percentage of my revenue for repairs, but look on that thousand dollars every single month, this car can net me six to $700 per vehicle. You know yep. and saying?
1: that's safe Perfect. I feel like even if you're putting 100 150 maybe $200 away like that's exactly that's amazing. So I didn't realize this. I thought that maybe you had your car and you're running it on Ontario So essentially how many
3: cars do you have? Do you have four? I have nine. So actually no I have I have eight. I I recently I recently sold one. But um yeah, I have I have eight eight vehicles and guess what? I don't own personally I don't own one of them. They're all owned in my business name. So it makes it super easy for me when I do flip and go back into buying real estate and they go to run my credit. Guess what? I don't have any auto loans. My debt to income ratio is untouched and I'm still good to continue to grow my real estate portfolio as well. Wow. So uh,
1: this is crazy. So talk, talk to me about like, okay, this is an operation, right? So where do you keep these cars? Do you keep them at your house. Do people just come and pick them up from you? Do you have like a commercial space that you ha- have them parked? I'm just literally so genuinely curious because the numbers you're telling me like eight cars, six, $700 a month, you're talking about, you know, like five, $6,000 a month that you can be making off this. And that sounds pretty conservative. So like, what's this operation like?
3: Yeah. So for me, for me personally, um, i use free on street parking so where i where i live at there are literally streets that you can you know park vehicles on its public parking um you can park these vehicles on the street and it, there's no overhead for it uh in, in other situations i've when i lived at at the duplex um i actually partnered with a mom and pop like little local bar and they let me park my cars in their parking lot uh for i think it was like 120 a month that i just I I paid them and they let me do my operation there. But where I'm at now, it is wide open and the streets are just there. So I can literally park my cars right on the street. Now, the great thing about this business is because of the fact that these cars are always rented, I've got eight vehicles. It is very rare that they're all there at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. It is extremely like I actually can't even tell you the, the last time they were all there at once. But, you know, there may be one two coming in, coming out at the same time, but they're they're always in rotation for me. So that on street parking has worked wonders for me.
1: So George, do you have to be there for the transaction each and every time? Do you have, you have hired somebody to help with like show, you know, showing up and actually doing an inspection on the car and then giving somebody the keys, or is it, you're just timing it so that you can be there and available, uh, you know, to give, to do the
3: transaction. Yep. So the other thing, like, like I said, I, I my goal is to be free, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. so what we do is we implement systems for all of that. So first and foremost, um, the same way it is, it's it's so funny that we're talking about real estate because this connects so much to real estate. So mm-hmm. the same way on vacant houses, right? When you're going to show a vacant property, what do you put on the front door? A sign. Lockbox. Lockbox. Oh, yeah. My, okay. Lockbox. Lock, so yeah. You put a lockbox. They make lockboxes for cars. They make lockboxes for cars that literally will sit on the window, and the person can you know, open it up and put the code in. So essentially our system is, we will do our ID verification um, virtually uh, where they literally take a picture of their license, take a selfie of themselves next to their license to show that they are who they are. Once they get to the vehicle, once we get that ID verification uploaded on the platform, then our system will release the um, lockbox code to them. So as far as I'm concerned, I've met maybe one of my renters ever. And I've been in this business for over over two and a half years now, right? So I've met one renter. I've literally checked people in while I'm on vacation in Aruba. Um, It's all about creating a a system. And speaking of that, the other thing when it comes to this is having the right systems in place. um, We install a GPS and a kill switch in every single one of the vehicles. This is very important because again, I don't want to be out there. Somebody doesn't bring my car back. I need to now chase them down. Hey, where are you at? Uh, I need, I need the car. I don't want to be having to deal with those types of hassles. So simply in all my vehicles, there's a GPS system. So I can always see exactly where the car is at. If there's ever an issue, I can send a tow truck to a precise location, but there's also a kill switch. If somebody is overdue on the vehicle, it's within my rights to actually hit that kill switch on the car. Once the car is turned off one time, it cannot reactivate. So wherever it's at, it's going to stay right there. And then again, I have the location so I can send a tow truck, which by the way, Toro will pay for the tow back. So this isn't adding a cost wow. to me, right? This isn't, is isn't adding a cost to me. It's just creating a system so that I can eliminate myself from the day-to-day activities. And the last thing the last thing when it comes to this system that's so amazing, right, is one of the things that I hate doing is having to send text messages back and forth. Hey, here's your here's your check-in instructions. Here's your check-out instructions. Hey, is your trip doing well? Because this is technically a hospitality business as well, right? I'm, I'm hosting them. So what I also do is I have automated text messages that go out. You know, One will go out as soon as they book. One will go out one hour before their trip starts one will go out halfway through their trip just to check in and you know be that person and say hey hope your trip's going well one will go out an hour before they check out and then the other one will go out an hour after they've checked out just to make sure that, just to make sure that they had a great trip so i'm i'm implementing all these systems that's how I was, I was able to scale to 9 vehicles i was still working a 9 to 5 when i did that right i was still wow. working a 9 to 5 when i had 9 vehicles and i was probably running my business about Four hours a week takes about four hours a week. The most manual thing that I do in this business and why I love it is just getting car washes. That's like the main thing that I do. Like I'm like I feel like I feel like I'm like the car wash guy essentially. All I do is I go get car washes. I take pictures. I take pictures of the vehicles after I get the car wash, and then I let the automations handle everything else.
1: If that's the worst part of your business. You're doing something right. the The question that I have about this business is: I was always under the impression that, like, you need like a you know a, a, a GLC Mercedes or a Tesla or something of that nature in order to make like high revenue on this. I'm not thinking that people are renting through Turo and you know getting a Nissan Altima or or, or what have you. Is there a major spread? First of all, first question, is there a major spread in the difference like if you do have a a higher end car or is it more worth it to you to have the economy and do you have any of the higher end cars, just talk about that for a little bit.
3: Absolutely. So, this is such one of those misconceptions that I I blame Instagram for this I completely blame Instagram for this because everybody's talking about hey. You know, get this supercar. You can make it pay for itself. You can, you know, have it for free by renting it out on these platforms. Now, what I've found in in my experience is it's two it's two different goals with these different car types, right? When it comes to economy vehicles, the goal of an economy vehicle is straight cash flow, right? You're not getting that car so you can drive it on the weekends and everything like that. That goal is straight cash flow. However, when you go and get a luxury vehicle, the goal of that is a lifestyle increase, right? You're getting uh uh you're getting access to a vehicle that you want access to and the goal is to at least at the minimum be able to make that vehicle pay for itself. So now you have a luxury vehicle completely for free. So for me, I always ask people, what is your goal? Right? What is your ultimate goal for your business? Are you looking to increase your lifestyle or are you looking to get cash flow? For me, I'm all about the cash flow, right? So I started out with economy vehicles not worried about any type of luxury vehicles at all now i do have a 2022 um tesla model y i had a i had a model 3 but we just had another baby so we got the model y so we got a little bit more space now right um we rent out that vehicle as as well but here's the thing luxury versus economy you are going to make more cash flow with an economy vehicle than a luxury vehicle versus that luxury vehicle, it may pay for itself, right? But we have to just think about economics. What do you see Sunday through Sunday, a plethora of them on the road? You don't see a bunch of Teslas. You don't see a bunch of Benzes, You don't see a bunch of Lamborghinis, right? You see those everyday vehicles. So when I approach this business, I look at it from simple supply and demand, right? There is a lot more demand or an everyday economy vehicle. Somebody who, hey, my car is in the shop for this for this week. I just need something to get me to work every day. Hey, I flew in town to see my my, my grandma for the week. I just need to be able to, you know, get to and from the airport. That is the thing that is going to give you uh, as a business owner um, cash flow on a consistent basis, right? Versus a luxury vehicle, what it's going to do is it's going to be able to give you those. Thursday through Sunday trips, right? Where Got somebody it. is coming in for the weekend, they want to be flashy. But look, when it comes to business, we have to create a solid foundation. It's very similar to a house, right? You can't, you can't build a, a house on a shaky foundation. Mm-hmm. A luxury vehicle as your foundation, that's shaky. That's iffy. When it gets cold outside, people aren't worried about you know looking nice and looking flashy. But yep. look, any time of the year, people are going to want to get to point A to point B. And that's why those economy vehicles; those are the foundation to any any car rental business that you want to build it to actually last.
1: Yeah, man, this is uh this is blowing my mind here. I think what would this is how I would guess it would it would make sense for uh, somebody like talk about the consumer, right? So if they're going to go to an enterprise or they're going to go to a rent a car is the economies of scale better actually for them to come to you on Turo because you have way less overhead to pay and is, can you is it actually a cheaper option that would be my my question
3: yep that's a, that's exactly what it is right so it's there's a couple of different benefits from the consumer uh, standpoint um first and foremost you're going to be paying on average about 30 percent less than what you would pay at you know enterprise Hertz, anything like that you're going to be paying about 30 percent less. The other thing is convenience, right? You have to think you don't have to go, uh, you know, to those those long lines at the airport or those long lines at the actual uh, rental car spot. You also don't have to worry about them not having the car for you. How many times have we gone to a rental car place and you selected um, what is it like mid-sized sedan and you think it's going to be a Ford Fusion and you get there and the only thing they have left is, is Ford Fiestas and you're like, what the heck? You know what yeah. I'm saying? On this platform, you have the convenience of dealing with an actual person. It's it's peer-to-peer, right? You're taking the big corporation out of it, but it's also you're guaranteed the vehicle that you are selecting when you, when you book it. You know exactly what you're getting. You're looking at the interior pictures of the vehicle, everything like that. You're not just picking a class. So I think getting the actual vehicle, the convenience of not having to go to a um, rent-a-car spot and then also of course the price makes it a no brainer for the consumers which is why we're seeing the growth that we're seeing in this industry right very similar to what happened with Uber in the taxi industry with Airbnb's in hotels it's a very similar people like that convenience and they can do it all from their phone all from it's, their phone
1: <laughs> yeah man like it's i'm going to Florida in October and i was like uh, you know i have an Airbnb for the week With my girlfriend and I was like, well, let's see if we can rent a car because we're gonna be on the beach. But it's like you just want something to get around. I was looking enterprise seven eight hundred dollars for like a normal car, which by the way, it's not. I don't think it's insane, but it's like if I can get something for five hundred bucks and deal with your whatever it may be and deal peer to peer with somebody, I don't really care what I'm driving. I'm just going down there just to get around. So it's something that now I mean, you have me thinking about the business side too, which is really cool. But that that is, I mean. we haven't talked about this. We've talked about RV rentals on our show, uh, which is like kind of more of a bigger scale operation, but we have not talked about the, the, you know, using it on Turo and you have like a whole system down here. So I'm sure there's a ton of people that are listening. that are like, I really want to get involved. Like I could do this. What are some maybe tips or tricks or um, advice you would give somebody who's trying to start this out in 2022 going into 2023?
3: Yep. So absolutely. So um first and foremost, I think we 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 kind of touched on some, right? But first and foremost, when you're buying cars, buy them in your business name. As a real estate investor, you have to protect your debt to income ratio. Buy them in your business name. There are commercial lenders out there that you can start this business for less than a thousand dollars, right? You can Bank of America will finance 110% of the value of the car. So they allow you to bundle in your uh, your warranty, your gap insurance, everything like that, and walk out a lot buying a car with no money down. So that's first and foremost, buy them in your business name. Secondly, implement systems from day one, right? Those systems that we talked about, having a GPS tracker and a kill switch, right? Having a lockbox so you don't have to be there for every single every single rental. Having automated text messages so you don't have to be typing out five messages per trip. Those are some key things that are going to separate the people who just dive into this business thinking, oh, I want to see if I can make some money versus the person who makes some serious capital um, in, this, in this business. Those are like the main, main proponents of it, right? Like systemize and how you acquire your vehicles. Those are going to be the difference makers between uh, being successful in this in this business and somebody who comes in for a couple months, doesn't see much much profit and then ends up, you know, liquidating a couple months later and they weren't successful in it.
1: Right. That's great advice. So I appreciate it. Um, what are your future goals with the Turo business uh, and real estate, both of them? Like maybe you can talk about them separately, but what are your future goals with with doing this? Do you want to have 50 cars? I mean, I imagine it's like a, you have an entire operation where you're actually hiring out people to to take care of system, those systems for you, but, or maybe not, maybe, maybe you're good with this Great chunk of change that is providing yeah. you freedom. Like uh, what's yeah. the what's the goal here?
3: Yeah. So ultimately for me, uh, my goal is to maintain uh probably at a max of 15, 15 vehicles. I think that's where I would I would cut off at. Um, but no, my goal is exactly what I have been doing with managing the fleet on an ongoing basis. The fleet supports my living expenses and it allows me to have my time back right my living expenses are paid and i still have my time so that now gives me the op- the opportunity to go out and expand my other business ventures that's the main reason why I got into Toro in the first place was cuz I needed more capital to keep going in this real estate game, right? I needed more capital to continue to scale. So for me, I'm going to stay, you know, at a mid-sized less than 15 vehicles in my fleet and I'm going to continue, you know, doing um exactly what it is. For me, I'm not going to go into luxury vehicles like all luxury. I'm going to continue to add economy vehicles because that's a proven a proven model to me. Um on the on the flip side, you know, transitioning more into my, my, my real estate. Now um, I was just able to retire from my nine to five. So I have two goals when it comes to real estate, first and foremost, uh, I've actually started the process to become a licensed appraiser. So I'm actually picking up another trade, right? I'm all about, like I said, I'm just trying to build the life that I want to build. So and
1: you could do the appraiser stuff at your time on your time. So you can give them the windows that you're available. So it really is for, I mean, It is a sense of freedom. So that's awesome.
3: It is. Listen, I have been to so many refinances, purchases, talking with these appraisers. And every time I talk to them, they're the the coolest guy. He has like his own his own operation operation going. And I talked to this one guy. This is what really put me over the end um, was he was like, yeah, I do this for four months out of the year. The rest of the time I spend on vacation in Puerto Rico and I just go hard for four months. And then the rest of the time I just do my thing. Right. I was like, "Okay, that's 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 awesome. So I am in the process of adding on that trade just another trade to my skill set, but now I also have entities with a business credit right I have a bunch of business credit available to me so i'm just going to continue to acquire my rental properties my ultimate my ultimate um, investment investment like um, philosophy. I love the bird method, right? We're in a little bit of a, of a transition period now with, you know, how rates are going, what, what prices are going to be doing, but I'm very much of the proponent of, Hey, if you can buy the price, if you can get the price of the house correctly, then you'll still be able to, you know, exit, however it is that you choose to exit. So I'm still a huge, uh, proponent of the bird method moving forward. And uh, just continuing to grow my rental portfolio. Ultimately, for that, um, that's where I'm, you know, pivoting at pretty hard now. Uh, but I also have an online an online business doing content creation, which is something that I just enjoy, yep. right? Being able to teach people on an on an everyday basis, create content, teach people, coach people. So, man, all of those things for me, they kind of come together. And like I said, I've just been reverse engineering the life that i want to live right having my rental property as passive income having my cars as passive income being able to do the appraiser thing that's a form of earned income and then also my content creation and coaching that's going to be the earned income um you know train as well so i put all those things together and that's where that's where i'm headed
1: yeah, man, you got it all going on. So your coaching business is teaching people how to do um Turo and like how to do the rental uh or is it all three? What do you do in your coaching business? Because I'm sure there's gonna be people reaching out to you after listening to this show. Yeah. That's the goal too. Like to help people get to their goals. That's what we're about. And I mean, if I'm listening, I'm calling you or DM, maybe not calling you, I don't have your number, but DMing you. So what yeah. what exactly do the coaching businesses uh what do they entail?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we have a couple different routes, and that's that's this is where um, what I call the Wealth Builder Academy, right? This is what, why I call it the Wealth Builder Academy, is because all these different streams that we're talking about they play into you know ultimately building a wealthy lifestyle. So what I do in in my coaching, I have something called the Car Rental Blueprint. Um, that is a digital course, a digital community, a, a coaching program where we teach people how to start. Scale their car rental business, but also to automate it, to take themselves out of the you know out of the equation, and to have that thing running on uh, an automatic basis. Now we also uh, coach people who you know nine nine to fivers, people are looking to get into entrepreneurship, people are looking to take their first step into real estate investing is house hacking. We have literally created a curriculum put lenders together, put everything in one place for the person who really wants to take, you know, eliminate their, their living expenses and be able to uh, get on the path to financial freedom, the, the fast path to financial freedom. We coach them on house hacking. And then lastly, uh, what I do in my coaching business as well is I help people build business credit. That has been a major game changer in my, uh in my, my real estate investing is having 150, $200,000 in available, Uh, Capital to go out and invest in real estate, right? I don't have to go to a bank to ask for money. I don't have to go to a private lender to ask for money. I can if I want to, but I have more options by using business credit. Business business credit was actually how that house that I bought last year to flip. I bought it using all business credit. I had no capital partners. I had no private investors. I literally pulled the money off off of a line of credit and I used that to buy that house, fix that house up, sell it, and I take, I pay back the lines, and then Keep I the take profit. rest as profit, and it, it's it's clean, right? So those are really the three aspects that I help people with. And man, when I have I have students who do all three of who do all three of these things, and it is literally they end up being in the same position as me, or even further than me, right? Because they've used rental cars to increase their income, they've used house hacking to decrease their expenses, and now they have business credit to be able to scale, whether it be their real estate business or any other business that they want, now they can scale that. And if they're at their nine to five, they might have the ability to leave that nine to five. Or if they want to stay, now they have all these things happening and they still have the time to go to their nine to five and they have everything running in the background. So that's really the idea of the Wealth Builder Academy. Um, You know, people go one route but some people go all three and when they put all three together man it is super super powerful
1: and the best way to find that would be uh at the wealthy g on instagram is that the best place for people to get that information if they're interested because i I am like literally the 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 rental car stuff is like i I could do it right now so but i'm just curious
3: like it's so easy yeah so um on instagram and twitter Uh, it's just at the, the wealthy G, um, that's where you can find me. I'm super, super responsive, always here to help. I create a bunch of content, man, just to help people. You know what I'm saying? Just to help people, just to give people tips. So you can go through, you can scroll through my page. You can probably get your business started. I'm not going to lie. You can probably get your business started just by scrolling through the pages. I put everything out in free form, uh, free form content as well.
1: Yep, free free game building you the credibility so that's great. Um before we wind down the show, we have a couple sections left here just um some to get to know you a little more personally, but I kind of glossed over this, you know, you retired at retired, I guess you could say, but you left corporate America at 28 years old. Can you just talk a little bit about the psychology behind the confidence that you had to do that? Because it's one thing to have the ability to do it like, Oh, my income is increasing. I feel good. But like, when for some people, for a lot of people waking up and not having like, a place to go or a thing to do or being told what to do, it kind of freaks them out. Not really for me, but a lot of people. So like, can you just talk a little bit about the psychology of you you having the confidence and the fortitude to leave and and know that you were going to be great at the entrepreneurship game?
3: Absolutely. So look, first and foremost, when it comes to the nine to five, I tell everybody, stay at the nine to five as long as possible, right? Look, when I was at, at at the nine to five, that was how I learned the importance of systems. That was how I learned professionalism, right? That was how I learned sales. That was how I learned like the importance of um, scheduling out scheduling out meetings and things like that. That was how I learned just about everything in entrepreneurship. So I was looking while I was at my nine to five, I was looking at that as, hey, this is my uh, my paid internship to entrepreneurship, right? I'm gonna take all of these, transferable skills that I'm learning here and I'm going to take them out and I'm going to apply them to my business and I just happened to be a financial advisor I was learning a bunch about the stock market mm-hmm. as well just a, a added a added bonus right yeah but, yep. uh, <laughs> but um I mean the the psychology behind it for me was I didn't leave until I didn't have a choice I didn't have a choice but to leave my, my nine to five a couple months ago because I ended up being so busy with things that I actually cared about, right? I ended up being having the opportunity to have all these meetings to take my actual business to the next level. So I had to make a decision. Hey, are you going to, you know, turn down these meetings, right? Turn down these opportunities um, where you can, you know, make a lot more than what you're making at your nine to five, or are you going to, you know, turn them down because you like that steady uh, paycheck? Now, I will say that is a very, very hard decision to make. Now, the only reason why I was so confident making it is because before I even thought about leaving, I had already got my reserves up, right? My reserve capital that I needed for myself, that's already there. And my business had been out earning um, my nine to five for months beforehand. So I'm like, okay, you know, it wasn't just one month of. Doing, doing good all around. And you're like, ah, oh, I'm out of here, right? No, I've been earning, I've been out earning that nine to five for months on end. Every single month, guess what? When you see, oh, I got this much rental income coming, I got this much car rental money coming in, I got this much money coming in from consulting and coaching. When you start seeing that on an every month basis, that's how you build that confidence, right? I wouldn't have the confidence if it just happened one time, but because I saw it on an On a recurring basis, and I saw the opportunity to continue to grow it. That was what really gave me the fortitude to say, "Hey, it makes sense for me to leave uh, at this time." But I would just say to everyone listening, like my advice, I could not have accomplished anything that I accomplished without having the nine to five, right? If if it was up to me, if it was up to me, I would still have that nine to five on the side somewhere. But like I said, my schedule got too busy to actually be able to handle it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean. your story is awesome man it's so cool to hear this and to see that a business that not that many people are aware of is able to provide you truly with with freedom and i'm specifically talking about the car rental business but all of them right so uh, and then the content creation is amazing too giving out the free game and you'll be able to make probably likely that will be your highest earning income at some point because of how many people are going to want to learn from you i don't even know maybe it is now but if if it's not i i hope it is for you because it's seriously amazing stuff. So, um, thanks for sharing. And um, second to last segment of the show is called the Core Four. So we get to know you a little bit more personally. Uh, we ask the same four questions to all of our guests. And the first question is, what's your favorite investing? This could be a business book, investing book, or real estate book. Um, something that sparked your interest into the entrepreneurship entrepreneurship book. I'm leaving it pretty wide open for you.
3: Yeah. So. <sighs> Entrepreneurship book I would have to say is the Four Hour Work Week. Um, that reading that book, understanding the concepts in there, that was when I was like, "This this nine to five thing, it's not going to last long for me." Right? Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's, "It's not gonna." If I know that I can accomplish, if I can accomplish these things and spend a couple hours a week doing it, it makes no sense for me to continue to trading my to trade my time for money for. 20 to 30 years. It may make sense for me to trade my time for money for five, 10 years. Right. But in that time, I need to be working towards things that are not, are not like taking my time away from me. And in that same breath, I need to be working on systems. I need to be working on systems that, Hey, even if I'm building a business, I'm not needed in the everyday activities of that business. So reading the four hour work week for me, man, it just sparked something that The thought of the thought of financial freedom and the thought of not even financial freedom, the thought of time freedom, the thought of time freedom was a real thing. And people are out here accomplishing it.
1: Yep. Love that. I mean, there's been a couple of people that have mentioned that on our show. I think it's a great book. I, I read it. I wasn't ready to read it because there's a lot in it and it goes into like detail of like what to do. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready to hear all this, but I'm going to, yeah. re- I'm going to, I'm going to reread it. Cause it's a punch in the face too. If like of what's out there and you're like, holy shit, like, I can't believe I'm, I'm working this nine to five, which by the way, I love mine, but mm-hmm. there will be, a, there will come a time where it's like, it's not worth to keep doing it. And the four-hour work week is, is a great example of how to get there. So yeah. good um, good book. So second question is, if let's just say somebody gave you, or let's say I gave you $50,000 tax-free, um, just a lump sum. What would you do with that today? Like, would you put it into another couple of cars? Would you, you put it into real estate? Would you divvy it up? What would be your direction with $50,000?
3: Yeah, so with 50K, Um, first and foremost, before I do anything, I am always, this is the financial advisor in me talking. I'm always making sure my, my reserves are up to date, right? I tell everybody you need to have between six months to a year of your personal expenses in cash, right in cash or, um, you know, cash equivalents. Um, so I would make sure that my reserves are up to date, uh, first and foremost, then I would maybe take one to $2,000 and I would turn that into Uh, I could probably turn one to 2000 into at least five vehicles, at least five vehicles, right. And generate a bunch of income uh, from that. But then I would take, I would take, uh, so now we're at, we're at, let's say, let's say you just needed to put a couple thousand away for reserves, a couple thousand for the car rentals, not much at all. I would take the remaining of it. I'm a stock, I'm a stock guy, right. I would definitely put maybe about 25% of that into um, equity, uh, Index funds, index funds. I'm big. Like I said, I worked at Vanguard. I am biased to index funds. I love putting my money in there because I don't have to do anything. And I am invested in a bunch of different companies that can grow over time for me. Um, And then I would take the rest of those funds and I would go out and acquire some property with it. But how I would acquire that property, I don't even know if I would need those funds because I love to use other people's money. If somebody gives me 50K, that's my money. I don't even want to use it to acquire properties, but I would try to split that up um, as much as possible and most likely pair that remaining of that 50,000 and try to go into an apartment building. That's kind of where I am um, leveling up into is trying to go, you know, above those four unit, those four unit buildings and you know, go five plus doors. So I would leverage however much of that fifty thousand, whether you know, whether I spent ten thousand to get the reserves together, and I've got forty thousand left. I would use that towards a down payment on a larger investment, something like a uh, apartment building that can you know bring me a plethora of cash flow over the long term.
1: Got it. Yep. Plus you get the tax benefits, loan pay down, and then the real estate is the you know when you're getting started in real estate, it's uh, the cash flow means a lot, but realistically, it's not actually that important of a metric once you realize the appreciation you can make. So that's awesome. Great. I mean, really, I I don't know if we've had anybody divvy it up quite that detailed. So most people are like, oh, I'll put it into one of my deals, but that was awesome. So thanks for sharing.
3: See, the thing about me, and this is again, the financial advisor in me, every, I'm all about diversification. I'm all about diversification. So if I ever get a, a sum of money, I'm always putting it in five different places, right? I'm always putting it in five different places because I love the concept of diversification, whether it be from index funds, being able to invest in more than one stock uh, at one time, whether it be in apartment buildings, having more than one door uh, in you know one, one building or whether it be in the rental cars, being able to get four different economy cars instead of one luxury vehicle. I love the concept of diversification to be able to build wealth, like diversification is so, so key in that, in that aspect.
1: Yeah, I agree. We have our, uh, active income, which just comes from a couple of ways. Uh, we have e-commerce, YouTube automation, real estate. So the, to, to add another layer, another pillar, so to speak, it's, it's kind of hedging your bets because some things will go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love that answer. And I think that, um, if, if people can implement that, you know, there's, add more legs to your table of income, right? That's, that's the way I look at it. Exactly. Um, yeah. So question three, what's been your biggest mistake that you've made in your entrepreneurship journey and how have you learned
3: from it? Yeah. So I got to say it would be, um, uh, man, it, it would have to be, it would have to be the financing that I did on my very first deal. So the bear that I did, um, I got a 20 year amortized uh, loan but it had a 5 year balloon on it. Got right? it. Yeah, means yeah. Means that after after that it's not meant for like long term holding. It's more so meant to, you know, kind of get in, stabilize and get out. Back in the day, I was like, listen man, can you y'all just give me the money so I can pay off my credit cards please. Um I wasn't I wasn't concerned about anything else, right? But that cost me so much money over time. One because I just had to refinance that property because the balloon was gonna be coming up in about a year or so, right? And we see what interest rates are doing. So I'm like, man, take the band-aid off. Let's just go ahead and refinance this thing. But at the time, had I actually done my proper due diligence instead of taking the first um, amount of money that this mortgage company sent to me with this, with this loan product, had I done my due diligence and gotten an actual, 30-year 30 uh, thirty-year commercial rental property loan on this property, I would have saved myself the couple thousand dollars in closing costs that I just spent. And I would have saved myself, I don't know how many basis points in interest, right? In interest that I now just locked in for the next 30-year 30 30 year period. So that, man, being a, a, a finance guy, that one stung the most because I just knew how much money I was losing in fees and how much money I was losing in interest just because I chose the wrong loan product.
1: Yeah, man. Wins and lessons, right? No losses exactly. around here. Wins and lessons. So uh, yeah, I, and that just tells you what not to do the next time. And and the cool thing about it is that you didn't take that experience and say, oh shit, like I'm not good at this. Like I can't do this. Like this didn't work. And then a lot of people will just quit and look where you are now. So, uh, you know, maybe the mistake was necessary. Although I know you're probably not loving that one. Uh, so, um, all right. Question four this is like a, a little bit of a philosophical one. Like, you know, you, you're probably so busy on a day to day basis. I know we are content creation, you know, nine to five uh, building multiple businesses, but sometimes you, you want to take a step back and realize like, what are you all do? What are you doing it all for? Like, what is your, what is your legacy? Do you, do you have one? Is there, is there something, what do you want it to be kind of as you get older? um, And you know, what gets you out of bed every day?
3: Yeah, man, that's a, that's an awesome question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. Um, for me, first and foremost, I have two two kids under the age of, of five. Um, so, you know, I want my legacy to be one, um, not having them start from step one, right? I want my children to be able to have options and I want their children to be able to have options. So for me, what that looks like is setting the foundation of not only acquiring these assets over time right Not not just acquiring these assets over time but also being able to give them uh financial literacy which is what i practice in all of my content creation i think about i think about this right when i'm when i'm gone my grandkids will be able to see that real that that, that 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 grandpa that grandpa made teaching x x y and z right probably They'll just by a-
1: going like this too they won't even have to like they won't even have to have a phone yeah. or <laughs> it's it'll be in their head
3: <laughs> exactly but like i think of that as 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 legacy because everything that i'm doing now being able to really you know start from the the bottom and you know build it up brick by brick by brick it's giving a blueprint that other people can follow and honestly when it comes to my my actual legacy i don't want it to just be my family I can, I can follow that blueprint. I like one of my passions is being able to actually help other people change their situation. That's the reason why I'm so vocal on social media and things like that. But I want to legitimately help other people change their situation. Um, and that's what I want, want, my legacy to be on a, on a, a higher, a higher scale than just a couple people, like man, George had an impact of thousands of people. And now thousands of people are you know, financially financially free, he led a movement. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's yeah. what I really want my my legacy to be: is to be able to set my family up for success, but then also to help other people set their family up for long term success as well, and be a a, a changer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. At the end of the day, all you got is how people remember you, right? Or how you make them feel. So uh, I think it's to be able to to put that out there, to see success in your own in your own life, and then try to pass it on to others. It's pretty noble. And and I I we we see eye to eye with that too, because it's something that we want to do as well. So that's man. an awesome answer. Um, so we made it to the last drop. Last drop is the last segment of the show, and the question is. George, if you could go back to your 18-year-old self, maybe, uh, and look him in the mirror, what advice would you give your younger self?
3: Other than buy Bitcoin? Um, uh yeah, well, yeah, or you could use
1: that one, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: But I feel like I feel like buy Bitcoin is too uh, too too easy. Um, I would I would say to set set very set your goals higher, right? I would say to set my goals higher set my goals so high that they scare you when you think about them like I will say that as an example because at 18 I knew what house hacking was at 18 my goal was to house hack right and then there was this period there was this period in my life a couple couple months where I was really just self-reflecting after I actually acquired my 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 multifamily actually I was I was in there living rent free I'm like what do I want to do next you know, like, what do I want to do next? But what we need to understand is you need to set goals so high that like, it's going to take you some time to get there. And you're going to, uh, you're going to do a bunch of things in the meantime, right? Like that goal of house hacking, looking back on it, that was like all I wanted to do at 18. I'm like, man, I know what the blueprint is. I'm just going to get out here. I'm going to live free and I'll be good. And then I got, and then I got it at freaking 25, 26. And I'm like, dude, what did what do you want next? Like, how are you going to take this to the next level? So I would just say to set bigger goals, set yep. bigger goals, set goals that scare like the crap out of you for sure. Yep.
1: I love that, man. And the, the thing that I've I've got, I'm getting better at is not only setting 10 X type goals, but also celebrating the small wins along the way, because you end up getting in this proverbial wheel of your own, like a rat race of your own in your own head that you think that you're not doing enough. And oh. so I hope that you celebrate your wins because I needed to teach myself how to do that. And, uh, I wasn't very good at it for a long time. So, yeah.
3: yeah, that is, that is the, uh, the curse of the ambitious, not yeah, celebrating exactly. those wins for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So go book a vacation after this call or something, but, uh, right. so George, it's been a pleasure, man. It's awesome to just chat with you like-minded people to learn, you know, um, and to learn from you really. So, so, if people, you kind of already said this, where to find you? But if people want to learn more about you, they want to get involved, they want to network, maybe join your your community here. What's the best? What's the best way for people to get in
0: touch with you?
3: Yeah, so uh, on Instagram and uh, Twitter, it's just um, the wealthy and the letter the, the letter G. Um, if anyone's interested in getting into the car rental business, I actually host a free webinar every Sunday. Every Sunday, I do this for people who when i want to know how to get into the business i host a free webinar so you guys can join me on sundays but yeah on uh instagram and twitter it is the wealthy and then the letter g um feel free reach out to me i am here to help and watch the content y'all watch the content because i'm telling you the game is there the game is there
1: appreciate you man thank you so much for coming on and uh, just sharing your time tonight with me uh i really appreciate it it's been a pleasure
3: yeah thank you for having me man i love this conversation
0: Thanks for tuning in this week to the Weekly Juice Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and share with friends. The more ratings we get, the more ears we'll get on our show, and in turn, we'll be able to provide you with more high-quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod, where we post daily tips and tricks and document our own journey towards financial freedom. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice.